Welcome to the Transformation Station, where your journey to a better life begins. Your hosts, Alex Sapala and Steve Kane, share quality, world-class material that fuels personal growth and transformation. Poignant, practical, and replicable, they will inspire you on your journey to living the life of your dreams. Let's drop into their conversation now. G'day, Steve. G'day, Alex. How you going, mate? Very good. Thank you, buddy. Very good. I love this time of the year. Spring weather. Feeling good. Mm-hmm. Feeling good because spring has sprung. Alex, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you today, and it centers around happiness. Mm. Now, our brain, as you put it, is a magnificent piece of kit. Yes, it is. And I know that food and chemicals in our system play a key role. Is there a feel-good that plays a major role in the science of happiness? It's interesting. I was reading something recently, and through my study, there's a series of them, but there's one key one, and it's a chemical called dopamine. And not only does dopamine play a key role in your happiness, but it also plays a key role in your motivation, your fitness, and your diet. Now, I know that everyone wants to be more productive, and they want to be fit, and they want to be happy, right? Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, exactly. Of course. And if we had our way, most of us would always be this way. So let's start with the brain science of happiness. What does being happy actually mean? That's a really good question because happiness really is something different for every person. And there's an old quote that John says, it's uh, happiness is an inside job. No one can make you happy. And if we remove that thought of us trying to make someone else happy or them trying to make us happy, we're removing pressures from our relationship. I've been studying this from a neuroscience sort of space and really just touching the surface of it. And I've been looking at a couple of recent studies the last couple of months. And the structures in our brains, collectively called the limbic system, actually manages the chemicals that are responsible for human happiness. These feel-good chemicals are dopamine, as I mentioned before, but there's also endorphins, oxytocin, and serotonin, which are all released each time that we see something that is good for our survival. Whenever we sense something, the limbic system decides whether or not it's worth a splash of happy hormones. Things that increase the possibility of survival trigger happy chemicals, and things that decrease our chances of survival trigger unhappy chemicals and stress hormones. But our brains don't automatically know when to release feel-good chemicals. It is our experiences and the neural pathways that they form which determines what makes us feel happy and what doesn't. So thinking about these pathways, when do they actually form? Like how do they, what's the process there? Well, according to science, neuroscience today, they're saying those neural pathways were mainly formed when we were young. Each time that we experienced something wonderful as a child, a neurochemical connection was built or strengthened. So when you were hungry as a child, for example, that experience probably made you feel bad. And some of us would would be crying or or whatever the case is, or we're screaming out to mum, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you come to my place and you got five screamers going, mum, what's to eat, what's to eat, I'm hungry, I'm starving. Mate, right? when we came home from school, my brother and I would polish off one loaf of bread between Man. us, went straight through the toaster, and if there was any ice cream in the fridge, we would 
try to pretend that we hadn't taken any out of there, but we certainly had worked our magic on it by the end of the week. Now, if my kids are listening, you didn't hear any of that. So, so, so whenever you're hungry as a child, you go through that sook phase mm. and your mum would then give you a biscuit to try and ease your hunger. And magically, you probably felt better. Now, if this happens a few times, a connection between your neurons forms. Right. So once something happens a few times, it starts to pick up the pattern and then there's Create, a connection. Creates a new connection. Between the neurons, yep. right. Happy, so, happiness equals biscuit. Right. So is that why we tend to reach out for a biscuit whenever we feel bad? Some go. people call it emotional eating. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And according to a book by Loretta Graziano Breuning titled Meet Your Happy Chemicals, Dopamine, Endorphin, Oxytocin, Serotonin, Your Brain Formed a Link Between Eating Biscuits and a Happy Feeling. Mm. And this gives us feeling of happiness, but we all know that that's short-lived and long-lasting happiness isn't created by eating a biscuit. Yeah, but I enjoy the momentary bliss, however short it is too sometimes. Yeah, indeed. So let me ask you, Steve, what's your definition of happiness? Well, happiness, I think, comes for me out of a sense of contentedness, being content in all situations. I've, I feel that knowing that God loves me, that I've got a hope, I've got a future, that there are plans that I can fulfill mm. in God, for me, that brings me a lot of happiness and family, Great. friends, and feeling accomplished Great. or doing something well. That brings me some happiness. Excellent. Happiness is really, people say, a state of mind. It is indeed, because we can create our own happiness just by the way that we look at things. So each one of us around the world has a different version of what happiness is, and one person, one person's version does not uh, reflect another person so yeah. we need to we need to be mindful that just because we're happy about a situation doesn't mean everybody else is going to be mindful i can give about you a prime it. example i just saw on youtube the other day this girl and she loves doing those icelandic ice baths yeah right and i'm thinking i couldn't think of anything worse but in some places they feel a real sense of wellness mm. definitely you'd feel alive that's for sure i'm shaking at the moment just thinking about it <laughs> So, you know, whether, whether happiness is a momentary thought or a feeling or a general sense of well-being, it really is defined by the, each individual. But so however you define it, it's most likely uniquely different from anyone else's description. And I want to say relish in that thought because we are all individuals. So we each mm. have our own program of the world. And so just because someone else is happy about a situation doesn't mean we're forced to be. Okay, so look at your own level. Happiness is experienced in different ways and it depends entirely on your, on your state of mind. Now, dopamine also plays a role not only in happiness but also in fear, in other emotions and also risk perception. Just as it can motivate you to do more, it can also motivate you to do less. Mm, that's really interesting. That's a big difference. That's like two opposite poles there. And it depends entirely on where it's coming from, where the happy, the source of the dopamine is coming from, and where it's going to. Right. And so it depends on where, which neurons are actually receiving the dopamine hit and which ones uh, are the ones that are sending it. And so these are key parts of things. So dopamine can work both for a motivation and against motivation. Now, there are different types of receptors, neurons and pathways that neurotransmitters can take. 
things can get really complicated really quickly. Because when you start thinking about the mapping of the brain and how, you know, one thought creates a, an electrical pathway or chemical pathway to another and a response from there is derived and it affects another part of the brain, which then creates an action or inaction, it gets real complex. And it's a real specialist area and I'm not a specialist in that area. But I love reading about what um, neuroscience is now finding out with all the new mapping gear that they have. But for motivation specifically, because that's what we're about, we love motivation, but we love inspiring people to motivate themselves. Specifically for motivation, it really matters which pathway dopamine takes. There's a system, it's called the mesolimbic pathway, which comes from the middle of our brain and it branches out to various places like the cerebral cortex, and that cerebral cortex is the most important reward pathway in the brain. Right. Because your brain actually recognizes that something important is about to happen. And the dopamine kicks in and performs its task before we actually get rewarded. Mm. So this means that the, the dopamine's real job is to actually encourage you to act, either to achieve something or to avoid something. Right. Okay. So, so you don't have to wait to do the action. It's actually it, it, the dopamine's hitting the cerebral cortex and going, go ahead and do it because I can actually see a reward coming uh, if we go if we do it or we don't do it. Right. Okay? So it's like a precursor. Exactly right. And it gives you that motivation. It's like someone. I, I look at it like when you're lighting a fire. Sometimes you use those little fire starters. Yeah. And other times you just use paper. <laughs> Whatever it is that you use, for me, that's like a fire starter. It just gets things going. It right. just gets going, right? So in a study from the Journal of Neuroscience, a team of uh, Vanderbilt scientists mapped the brain of go-getters and slackers. And this is where this is really interesting. Hey, wouldn't, wouldn't you hate to be the one that the goes, slacker? Um, <clears throat> by the way, at the end of the study, you were in the slacker camp. Mate, you are such a slacker. You get to the back <laughs> of the line. you walk out of that study. Exactly. Motivated like, to change something, wouldn't you? But they probably know where they are anyway. So, but And it doesn't matter which end you are at. So they mapped the, the brains of both the go-getters and the slackers, and they found that people willing to work hard had higher dopamine levels in their striatum and prefrontal cortex. Interesting. Now, they're the two areas known to impact motivation and reward. Among the slackers, conversely, dopamine was present in the anterior insula, which is an area of the brain that's involved in emotion and risk perception. Dr. John, the researcher John Salamone, explains low levels of dopamine makes people and other animals less likely to work for things. So it has more to do with motivation and cost-benefit analysis than pleasure itself. That's interesting. I never realized that about dopamine before. It's an amazing chemical. And, and again, it depends on which part of the brain is sending it and which part of the brain is receiving it. Right. And that's why the front of the brain... Is, is the one that's going, yay, I want, I want reward. It's more executive function in the exactly. front of the brain. And yeah. the back of the brain is saying, uh -uh, hang on, wait, no, we better not do that because there's risk in outcome and blah, 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 and this will create this flood of emotion. So let's not go there. Depends on it's the same chemical being transmitted. Mm. And that's the important, I guess, the importance of the study was that it, it matters not that the chemical, uh, it matters not the chemical, but it's actually who transmitted it to where, the yes. receptors and the pathways, yeah? Yes. 
So motiv- motivation in itself happens when your dopamine spikes because you anticipate something important is about to happen. The brain can be trained to feed off bursts of dopamine that are sparked by rewarding experiences. So you create the environment, the dopamine environment, and the brain does the rest. Now, one of the key things, I guess, is we look at something like that and go, hang on, so we can actually control the levels of dopamine that are flooding our brains. Mm. And we can control the oxytocin and all these sorts of things by what we do um, to, to do that. And we'll talk about a couple of those things in a minute. So one, one of the ways that we uh, achieve the rewarding experience is by setting small incremental goals. Right. Dopamine flows as a result of your brain's positive reinforcement every time you complete a step to make a challenge. Oh, t- yeah, to meet, so to, if you set small steps that are achievable and then you meet that, then that gives you, oh, I did that. I can do the next step. I can do the next step. Exactly. And so, so it starts feeding that. Yep. And goal, you know, goal setting and goal, goal achieving are two, two of my um, I love I love talking about them because I've got so many, and as most people have so many um, stories they can use for goal setting, goal achieving. But the important thing here is I I never knew before how dopamine flows just through those small steps. Right. So, so in other words, some... we oh, let's look at this. Right. Let's say for instance yeah. we've got a huge goal. Right. Okay. Let's say we want to we want to reach we want to go out and reach five thousand people over the course of the next twelve months. Mm. Now, we know that, you know, there's a whole bunch of marketing that goes in it. There's all these things. But our goal is to reach 5,000, build our audience to 5,000 or 10,000, whatever the number is. Yeah. What we do then was we break it down because if we focus on that 5,000 goal or 50,000 goal audience, that becomes huge within our brain. So what we need to look back and say, so uh, over the course of the next 12 months, what do we need to do? So every month... We need to add whatever the numbers are, divide that by 12, divide 5,000 by 12. We need to add 1,200 people. Fantastic. Okay, 1,200 people, that's, that, that's, that's achievable. Whatever it is, 500 people. I'm not good at math. I need English. <laughs> Mate, so, um, I've let you in on a secret. I failed year 11 maths. There you go. So I think this is probably grade five, but anyway, let's not go there. Yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, people out there, please forgive us. Exactly. So uh, I'm sure there's a couple out there going, turning over in there. But anyway, his podcast, please. Exactly. Here's a situation. We've got to laugh at ourselves. If we don't, someone else will. So we may as well get there first. Yeah, right? Right. So, so we've got a goal of 5,000 people. And say, for instance, over the course of the next 12 months, we divide that 5,000 by 12 and we end up with 4,000. 800 or 4,200, whatever the numbers are. So we've got a goal of every month increasing our listenership by 4,200. You divide that by 30 days. 4,200 divided by 30, divided by 3 is what, about 13? 14 per day. Okay. I've got a calculator in front of me. (laughs) If, I'm just if anyone looking could across, see, I'm just see, looking across the see, desk Steve at Alex. Is, he's nodding eyes, as if he's, I'm, you know. I'm trying to hold it together. <laughs> Whatever the numbers are. Hey, look, this is a great example. Just keep going. Exactly. Right, I'm, I'm getting a, I'm getting a hit, hit of dopamine right now. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up my calculator. So if we said 5,000 over the, the next 12 months, divide that by 12, that equals 416 per month. I want to divide that by 30 days. Now, my new goal 
is by the end of every day between now and the end of next year is I want to get 14 new listeners yeah. every day. That's achievable. That's a lot more achievable, isn't it? It's a lot. And, and when I achieve that day one, when I achieve the 14, um, party time. Day yeah. two, party time. Day three, I miss. Okay, day four, I do 30. So, so what all... I'm wondering here, Alex, from what, hearing what you're saying here is that I imagine that if you had some a goal that seemed a little bit insurmountable, the mm-hmm. pathway in the brain that the dopamine could take would might go to the back of the brain. Absolutely. Uh, and then... Causing risk. Risk and fear. And then so suddenly, oh, no, we do nothing. Or, or we pull out because we don't feel it's achievable. Or if you broke it down into manageable bits, mm-hmm. the frontal cortex of the brain is going to go, hang on a minute, this, we can do this. Here's a possibility. Yep. Uh, let's go. There's, a, there's an so, old saying in sales, and you're spot on. There's an old saying that says, break it down to the ridiculous. Okay, And you break it, break whatever the investment is that a person is making, you break that down to the smallest, minutest hourly fee. Yeah. So instead of saying, oh, you're going you're gonna to pay $5,000 for that, I'm saying, no, your investment's only $1.97 a day. Surely you can afford $1.97. So when we break things down to the smallest part, it makes it easier for us to look. So we look at those small accomplishments right. and we create like a to-do list or a, uh, or a don't list, but a to-do list, which actually re- uh, reinforces how we're actually achieving our goal. Now, in business, we have year, yearly goal, three years, five years, but then every year, we would then break that down into each quarter. And each quarter would then be broken down into each month. And so those will be the achievable targets for each of those periods. Okay, you don't just say, okay, in 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 three years' time, uh, uh, you know, the business got to generate two hundred million dollars. Okay, great, that's a great goal. But how are we going to do that? We need to break it down to the small, manageable chunks, so that then you can actually look at each month and say, yes, tick, done that. Oh, there's my dopamine fix. Right. Okay. So you got to chip away on these small accomplishments. Small accomplishments. And then, as you feel yourself making more progress, I guess you'll feel greater the greater effects of dopamine. Yep, and, and you celebrate. Yeah. Say, well done, I've done it. Okay. It feels good. Feels good. Then you're more likely to repeat it. And the other thing that helps us to increase, and I've got a couple of people in the office that are very good at this, actually share their results with the whole team. Right. They communicate about their, their results, both positive and negative, um, which means that effectively other people are recognising the work that they're doing. And that results in even more positive feedback just because they didn't get what they set out to get. But the fact that they tried is a fabulous thing because people can then praise and recognize the work that they've done and that increases their dopamine mm. level. Okay, so this is these are all things that how do we – we talk about that all the time. There are people that, that are always craving the praise of other people and the recognition. And the, re, the reality is that – it's motivation. Well, well, now we understand it's yeah. a chemical response, yeah, which creates motivation. People crave the feedback and the recognition of the work that they do, and I think sometimes as as leaders and managers, we don't actually do that enough. We don't we don't recognise the, the the value that people are doing in the small things. Yeah, that helps to increase their dopamine, which then helps to increase their happiness level in the job they're at. 
So it's a great idea for to give positive feedback and reinforcement to people. Exactly. Even if they didn't get a win, yep. find something that you can praise and that will help give them the motivation because of the dopamine. That's right. Sometimes just praise the effort yeah. without the result. Yeah. So the other thing is to actually stay on task with micro deadlines. In other words, staying entirely focused on one task at a time is actually going to force you to sit down and get work done. The more you do that, the more you'll see positive feedback because your work is actually getting completed, which will increase your dopamine. I mean, this whole story about multitasking and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's that's a thing of the old. We really understand that we multitasking is a, is a phenomenon um, that not many, if any, can actually do where your energy, rather than being laser-focused, is set off into four or five different directions. Yeah, I'm so not multitask. I like to do one thing, focus in on it, get, get it, it done. done, and then move on. Exactly. And that's it. And you give yourself a dopamine hit. Yeah. That's... The other thing is that we want to focus on how great that you'll feel when your project is complete. There was a study done at the University of Michigan, and the professors found that results-driven focus motivated people to complete their actual goals. It's about picturing the end in mind and then connecting the way that you feel to seeing that picture. And in that connection, when you see yourself achieving that goal, when Olympians do it all the time, they see themselves standing receiving the gold medal. They see it with such clarity and they can feel the roar of the crowd. They can, they can sense all the emotions and their emotions are hugely charged. That is what carries them to want to train at four o'clock in the morning, go out when everyone else is still sleeping. It's those things that the motivation for that end goal, which is huge. Yeah, because you have to have high motivation for something and then what fuels that and that's that desire and seeing seeing the end goal clearly. Exactly. Yeah. And now and we're understanding it. why. And even feeling it. That's right. I mean, mm. this is something we've done for a long, long time, and this is not nothing new with the, with the visualization and the goal setting. But understanding the, uh, the neuropathways that are happening and, and what's happening in your brain that's actually continuing to motivate you to continue to do what you do is now this is what is really bringing it home for me because – dopamine is that little sucker in there going, come on, get off your butt, get out there and do what you know you should do because of this that you want to do, because yeah. of the way you want to feel at the end of achieving that. Yeah. Right. That's excellent, Alex. So what else can you do here to help get natural ways for your dopamine to flow? Boost your diet with dopamine-filled foods. They reckon that for an extra kick, make sure that you're eating foods with plenty of natural probiotics, example like yogurt, sauerkraut, apple cider vinegar, and miso soup. Um, researchers actually showed how people crave specific food and drinks. Their brain releases the most dopamine when taking the first simple bite. Have you ever had that situation where you're sitting there and you're just going, man, I, I want a burger? Or I feel like some chips. I was or just I, thinking about the I burger as soon as you started down that From trip. around the corner? Yeah. Right. right? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've, I'm learning to control my craving. But I know what I'm having for lunch now. You're having a burger, right? A suggestion, mate. That's it. But the whole, the whole process of the thought of you craving something or wanting to eat something, you then get this massive hit of dopamine the first time you take them, the first bite. 
And you get that massive hit of dopamine that happens. And then as soon as it lands in your tummy, if it's the right thing that you wanted, you're satisfied. If it's not, then you'll continue. You keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And what that creates is a potential for binge eating. And this is where binging sort of sort of happens. So, so I guess the most important thing that I really wanted to talk about is that they showed that when the cravings of food and drink that people have, their brain releases the most dopamine when the first sip or the first bite is taken. So you could actually take that first bite or first sip and put it aside. The outcome of the research says you're actually craving the dopamine. You're not craving the food. Right. So you're craving the feeling, the sense, the chemical release rather than the food itself. The findings report that the gastrointestinal tract is is in constant contact with the brain and it uses the reward stimuli to control our desire for food. And it makes sense because the brain-gut connection, right? I mean, we know it's connected. Well, look, if you didn't have any connection, why would you want to eat? Exactly. There'd be nothing telling you to eat. That's right. So you need something, a connection with the gut to the brain to say, hey, you need to eat something or to desire eating something. Exactly. Dopamine, researchers state, is the most important messenger substance of the reward system in the brain and is released when goals are achieved or desire for something motivates us to take action. That's when it's smashed out. And when it comes to food intake, we only par- we're only partially in control. Scientists at the Max Planck Institute for Metabolism Research, the researcher in Cologne, were able to show that our gastrointestinal tract is in constant contact with the brain and it uses reward stimuli to control our desire for food. So your desire for sugar is probably more likely a desire for dopamine. And that response we're looking for because we're not getting the feedback from others or the, the recognition, the, those sorts of things. We're actually craving that. So we go, oh, sugar will give me that. And we go and hit on sugar. Right. In an elaborate study, research group leader Mark uh, Titkmeyer and Heiko Blankers, excuse me, but Mark and Heiko, have investigated the questions of how food intake in the body is actually controlled. The scientists offered milkshake to volunteers and at the same time measured the release of dopamine in the brain using a newly developed method. With the first taste of the milkshake the brain immediately releases an initial wave of dopamine. And as soon as the drink reaches the stomach, another round of dopamine is hit. Interesting. So that means give me more. Yeah. Now, the researchers found that a link between the subjective desire and the dopamine release, the brain of the participants who had a particular craving for milkshake released more dopamine when they taste the drink. Right, when they first right. tasted it. Exactly. Gave them a bigger hit. That's it. Right. right? And they, hey, dopamine pleasure. Oh, this is so good. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I can picture myself even drinking a big M from years ago. You drink it and go, oh, man, this is so good. It's exactly what I need. Well, that's the dopamine hit that's that smashed me in the face. So as soon as the, the milkshake reached the stomach, less dopamine was actually released. So no wonder binge eating is such a big thing, especially when we're low on dopamine Heiko explains, our data shows that our cravings are closely related to dopamine. If we don't get the second release of dopamine through the stomach, we might continue to eat until we do. Mm. 
That's interesting. So food intake primarily supplies the body with energy and nutrients, right? Ideally, energy consumption and food intake are in constant balance. However, though, food also has a rewarding value. If the reward signals are stronger than the equilibrium signals, we eat more than necessary, which can then lead to overeating and obesity. So dopamine has a biological connection to our motivation to achieve. You can increase your dopamine by positive feedback, and that happens by tracking incremental progress. Yeah, thanks, Alex. That was really interesting. When you look at the impact of dopamine on our bodies and how it makes us feel, it plays such a key role in our happiness as individuals. So think about your fitness and your diet and all the things that we spoke about today. Alex, thank you. Well, it was great to be on Transformation Station with you again today. If you'd like to hear more and see more, go to transformationstation.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Transformation Station podcast. If you found our content valuable, you can subscribe and give us a five-star review so others can benefit from the content too. All our episodes and other valuable transformation information can be found at our website, transformationstation.com.au. 